Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Joa. And Jay Noon. I wanted to start off this one that's about free speech and how there isn't any such thing in Russia. Um, Because we're equal opportunity government haters here. And I don't like the government of Russia any more than I like the government of Ukraine or the United States or Israel. They're all bad. They're all bad. And I wanted to talk about this woman who's um, looking at eight years in jail for a protest she did that was an anti-war protest in Russia. It says, Russian artist who staged an anti-war supermarket protest faces eight years in jail. It says, a female artist who staged a protest against Moscow's war in Ukraine by replacing supermarket price tags with trenchant calls to stop the conflict is facing eight years in a penal colony after a court hearing on Wednesday. Do you guys know what penal colony means? Not exactly. Well, from like movies and stuff, it's basically like this place that, you know, is a few acres and it's surrounded by like, you know, a 20-foot razor wire fence and guards and pretty much you're just kind of in like a general population with a bunch of people. Hmm. That's basically what it says here when I went to For s- stickers? So what, what? She put stickers on? Oh, um, well, she changed the... Price tags to say something. Not sure what they are yet. Um, I mean, at best, it's maybe vandalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Says, it's not. It, see, vandalism would mean that it's not easily removable, right? Yeah, because but, like chalking a sidewalk isn't vandalism. Right. Right. Well, I think this has nothing to do with that. It's just, um, you know, you know, talking bad about the war is illegal there. Yep. Free, there's just not free speech there. She also did do it on, like, private property, right? So this is, like, a store. It's private property, private, you know, establishment. She probably should have chose something that was more government-oriented to protest on. Even but, even then, who knows if their laws protect speech on government property either. True, true. It says Alexandra Skochilenko, 33, an artist and musician known to her friends as Sasha, Carried out the protest on March 31st, 2022. Whoa, that was forever ago. But you're just now hearing about it. Hmm. He's probably just been held this whole time. I don't know. Replacing price tags in a supermarket in St. Petersburg, Russia's second city, with five little pieces of paper urging to an end to what Moscow calls calls a special military operation. This says, yeah, it's November 8th, 2023. I'm make, I was making sure it wasn't like something old that popped up on antiwar.com. Um, so yeah, maybe she's just been held there this whole time. And I don't know what it means by Russia's second city unless it means second largest. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It says Alexandra, Alexander Gladyshev, a state prosecutor on Wednesday asked a judge in St. Petersburg to jail her for eight years and ban her from using the internet for three years. According to a statement from St. Petersburg. She wasn't courts. using the internet when she did this. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder why. That hasn't yeah, to do it. because the internet is how people communicate, and they obviously, you know. So the prosecutors are like the prosecutors here in the states, you know. Just you know, it's all government's bad. It's like you guys said, and um, so these prosecutors don't care about morality or what's right or wrong, or you know, if there's a victim or if there's an injured party. They just care about getting, you know, uh, prosecuting cases because that's how they climb up the corporate ladder. That's how they get more money. And actually, another thing that's happening uh, here is uh, 
with uh, these prosecutors or why they're so uh, aggressive on their prosecution of just anybody, especially like here in the States, uh, for, for whatever possible reason they can, is because uh, there's certain like federal incentives. So like the child enforcement, um, child enforcement, uh, uh, child endangerment uh, statute mm-hmm. uh, here in New Hampshire. I'm actually trying to figure out sort of how I can present this to say a jury or to somebody even you know the state legislature uh, there it, there was a newspaper article i read where uh, a woman was uh, charged with child welfare endangerment because she left her three kids in the car while the car was running hmm. air conditioning on so it was like a a two-year-old uh, a four-year-old and a nine-year-old all left in the car and a two-year-old four-year-old in her car seats and a nine-year-old just there hanging out and um I mean, uh, when I was nine years old, I was left with my younger brothers all the time. <laughs> I, I was too. I was thinking the same thing. And, I was left with my younger brothers or brother and sister and I'd be nine and we'd be in the parking lot. My parents would be in like Walmart or my mom would be in like Walmart or whatever. And they would just be like, I don't, I'm not taking you guys in. You guys have been bad today. So wait here. And right. it was fine. The prosecution had previously accused her of committing what it described as a serious crime out of political hatred towards the Russian Federation. And see, like, they kind of have to skirt around that kind of thing in the United States. They have to just be like, well, listen, you're free to believe that. But and then they like try to make libertarians or people who don't um, agree with the United States government look bad in different ways. But in Russia, they can just straight up say, look, she hates the Russian Federation. And that's basically exactly why she needs to be found guilty of this crime, which is pretty crazy. Just look at her. <laughs> and guilty. It's just like, in my opinion, well, Maybe I, I did think maybe they don't want her to go on the internet because she could incite people to be against the war. What is she going to change the prices on Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> it says Skochilenko, who denies the charge, was detained on April 11th, 2022, after a shopper complained about her action. Wow. So she was narked on, too. Wow. She is being tried on the charge of knowingly spreading fake information about the Russian army, an offense punishable in her case by up to 10 years, but which can sometimes lead to a 15-year jail term. Wow. What? So the the prosecution isn't even asking for the full term. But still, she might get the same amount of time Ian got for, you know, the crap that they sent Ian to prison. Yeah, but she just tra- talked trash about the military and they sent her to jail? I do really want to know what was written on the um the price tags but it doesn't surprise me at all like that that's a, against the law in, in russia like literally in the united states we have this i, f- um, I forget the exact case i'm talking the uh, united states versus mims or something like that whereas uh i can't say it on the air which is ironic because the supreme court ruled this <laughs> that you f the draft oh, you can't, mm. yeah can't wear a shirt that says f the draft wow. where Huh? Where, where can't you wear it? In court. Oh. Wait, so... Well, actually, spring- I think that came up uh, a second time. So, like, I think he was on campus. The guy was holding a sign that said F the draft on campus. So was it... Did he write E-E-F or the four letters of that curse word? Yeah, the four, okay. four letters of the curse word. So you're saying that the Supreme Court ruled that that was constitutional, that he yes. got in trouble for that? Yeah. So then it's, it's not ironic. I mean, that we can't say it on the air. 
No, no. They found it constitutional that, that he, he could, could they yeah, could say. But I think it's I think it's ironic because like the you know what is the FCC is regulating this airwaves in the sense that we can't say it. That would even though Supreme ironic. Court ruled that this is a justified thing to say. Yep, and I think that's messed up. Like I, the thing is, I probably wouldn't really cuss on there anyway if I was allowed to, but. I just don't because it's going to get us kicked off radio station. Right, right, but that's that's my point. But like, if I just found like if I said the full F the draft, if I said that fully out loud on the air right now, and we got fined, yeah, I would I would bring the Supreme Court ruling into play, saying we're not paying this fine. Well, unfortunately, they wouldn't find us, so you wouldn't be able to right, do right. that at all. They'd right, find right. the radio stations. Yeah, that and then it's just us. aggravation for you know yep, the syndicate station kick us off. That's so, terrible. It says, um, this woman, she's being charged on the charge of knowingly spreading fake information about the Russian army. I already read that. Russia tightened its laws on dissent soon after sending its troops into Ukraine on February 24th last year, deepening a crackdown on critics whom Moscow sees as unacceptably divisive at a time when the country is locked in what President Vladimir Putin has cast as an existential struggle with the West. Okay, Amnesty International has declared Skochilenko a prisoner of conscience, someone who has not used or advocated violence or hatred and is imprisoned solely because of who they are or what they believe. Also known as political prisoner. And it's also just not fair because they're saying that she did this out of hatred towards the Russian Federation, and that is thought crime. You can't decide that someone hates the Russian Federation. I mean, I guess she might have written, or written I hate the Ru- Russian Federation or whatever on the price tags, but I do want to figure out what she said. It says, the artist smiled from a courtroom cage. Oh, they, put, they get left in cages in the courtroom. On Wednesday, as she listened to proceedings, despite the prospect of facing a lengthy stint behind bars. She's probably a lesbian. Like, oh. only reason you wouldn't care. <laughs> I could not go to jail and be with, like, all women all the time. That'd be terrible. Just, like, the worst kind of women as well. It's not like I hate women, but I don't want to see nothing but terrible women all day. It says, copies of the, like, I'm just saying I wouldn't be smiling if they were talking about putting me in there for years. Um, Copies of the imitation price tags, which got her into trouble in the first place, remain on display on a website maintained by her supporters lobbying for her to be freed. If you want to build your pension, like I said, the prosecutors, they all have a financial incentive. And also to make an example of people, uh, they, you know, a lot of these judges and prosecutors also invest in these, you know, contract companies that supply to prisons with like, you know, the food, the toiletries, you know, remove the trash, you know, the companies that provide the energy, the propane, the fuel, you know, whatever, you know, takes, you know, and, and, you know, it takes more, it, it costs more to house a prisoner in most, most places than it does to send them to Harvard. Send someone to Harvard for a year, yeah. um, so because it's very lucrative. Just you know, any same contractors are the same contractors who are also got the exclusive contracts to uh, provide the hospitals with all their goods and you know things that they use and consumables. Uh, but <clears throat> you, uh, disinformation, misinformation. I mean, the Biden administration has been all over this stuff for a long time now. Mm, yeah. They they had uh, you know some lady that was some wackadoo lady who like some kind of artist performer. Um, libtard type that uh you know was the um czar of like office of misinformation or disinformation hmm. uh there's all kinds of videos of her like singing and stuff uh you know she's actually a pretty good singer 
But uh, like, and of course they're like, oh, constantly talk about it. we need to combat misinformation. So and then look at they look what they did to Alex Jones. Yep. They got what a trillion, a, a half a trillion or a three quarter trillion dollar judgment yeah, against right. him for yeah, right. what you know they're they're claiming you know disinformation. They they actually got a fifty two million dollar judgment against Eamon Bundy hmm. for uh because there was a kid that um St. Luke's Hospital, which is some like children's hospital somewhere wherever I think he's in Utah or Nevada, I'm not even sure. But they uh participated in, you know, doing a uh, a medical kidnapping of a, of a child called Baby Cyrus hmm. uh, uh, and they to adopt it right out to another family and they were there's a really uh, a well put together documentary called Save Baby Cyrus is not that old but um, Eamon Bundy was really big about getting, you know, his following to uh, and you, sort like, of protested the hospital, right? Well, they protested the hospital. I guess the hospital got all kinds of calls and emails and letters, and you know how bad you are. So they go to some court and they just get a summary judgment against Eamon yeah, Bundy, ridiculous. just like this this other summary judgment they just got against, against Trump, which yeah. is you know seems to be me like another wag the dog situation. Is it another one about something he said that? Uh, it, they said that he misvalued the value of his properties, and they're trying to say like his properties are worth his really low amount. Hmm. And they're ruling the judge is like ruling that it's worth it, and the judge is like been public about being a Trump hater. Hmm. That's on the case. I mean, hmm. this is one of these things too. When you're in front of a judge, like somebody needs to certify first off that this judge is actually like a, um, you know, he is. Uh, um, impartial. Yeah. So that means he, he he doesn't vote if he's impartial. He's not a registered Republican. He's not a registered Democrat. Um, if he takes a vaccine and wears a mask, he's not impartial. Hmm. <laughs> you know. And if he and, and then there, you know, like the the Trump and the the, the judge in a Trump situation there uh, is publicly you know quoted as saying you know bad negative things actually dislikes like, Trump. When I hear things like that, I'm just like, are all lawyers just this incompetent and stupid yes, or are absolutely. they like in cahoots because you would think yes, his lawyer would, in cahoots they're evil yeah. you would think that his lawyer would be able to get this judge thrown out like look he's clearly <sighs> not impartial because he is openly said he hates my client so for, let's get him for thrown out. sure a lawyer goes in their head like all right if i don't do what my client says will i make more money okay we'll do that that's what's yeah. in their head like, and, they don't care. Even this whole culture of everybody's relying on lawyers. Like, I actually just listened to a thing, uh, Rob from uh, um, Vermont, who calls in off and sent me a, a link today to a YouTube video of the New Hampshire House um, Family Law Committee. <laughs> and this guy who's in the Family Law Committee, he introduces how, you know, we've gotten all these reports of these judges who, judges control so much just on the fact that they can kick out any evidence they want. <laughs> so what the New Hampshire... Uh, House of Representatives, is, is some people uh, introduced a bill to, actually, they've introduced a bill to um, reword the child endangerment law, hmm. uh, which is going to be interesting because I think that's how we're going to find out. Um, so the child endangerment law, law uh, best I can tell, is worded vaguely yep. because that, I just read a little thing that, like, under some United States code, this federal you know, child endangerment law, it's basically the state one is worded the same way, and I'm pretty sure that's how they're getting a financial funding is by you know just like for example states get uh, a a big um a subsidy from the federal government for having a seatbelt law this segment gets into what the price tag says it says um copies of the imitation price tags which got her into trouble in the first place remain on display on a website maintained by her supporters lobbying for her to be freed so 
at least her supporters are claiming these are her what they said. Uh, apparently, she denies the whole thing. But one of the <laughs> that's kind of funny. So the right. supporters say she did it. Maybe. Well, I mean, you could have these, you know, agent provocateur hmm. supporters, right? You know, that's not True. hard to do. And especially if it's a website, I'm sure there's like an, you know, an AI program for that by the deep state, you know, to make those happen or an algorithmic thing, you know. But yeah. if she if she did do it, I mean, I wouldn't admit it. I yeah, let, exactly. You know. She might have just done it and isn't admitting it. But it says one of the tags accused the Russian army of bombing a theater in the port city of Maripol, where around 400 people were hiding. A charge Moscow said at the time was false. Another alleged that Russia was sending conscripts, so people who were conscripted, so people who were subject of the draft. Forced into service. Yep. Um, conscripts to fight in Ukraine, something it has denied. A third cited Russian casualty figures and accused state TV of not talking about them, which I would believe too. And a fourth accused Russian President Putin of lying and spoke of pointless deaths. A fifth tag read, my great-grandfather did not take place in the Great Patriotic War, World War II, for four years in order for Russia to become a fascist state and attack Ukraine. The Kremlin has said Ukraine's leadership, not it, is the one with fascist tendencies. (laughs) It's like both of them. Look at the law you're enforcing. And has said Russia was forced to send troops into Ukraine to protect Russian speakers there and stop the creeping expansion of the NATO military alliance saying this threatened Russia's national security. Which I agree with. Um, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I don't think you're ever forced into killing innocent people. Well, so what, what's been going on since 2014, Ukraine, uh, which is, you know, since it's been like sort of overtaken by Western, uh, you know, influence, Western money, uh, get a lot of uh, U.S. and European, uh, or a lot of U.S. and you know, um, NATO uh, munitions and bombs. They've been shelling this, what's called the Ludonsk and Donbass region. Right. And, and what's shelling? And, and shelling is where they shoot, where they shoot these like surface to surface missiles, essentially. And like, so a shell would, to- if a shell hit this house, it would totally level it. Hmm. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a munition that they basically drop it in a thing like a pipe. It, it just drops and then it's got a charge um, in, in the backside of it when it hits it goes up in the air, and they kind of just point this thing, you know, at a certain spot, and they and they can set. And depending on how, on the angle you point it, and the direction you point it, it'll go so far away, depending on wind. And they can be pretty, they can be like sort of accurate, but they can be moved around a lot. So basically, they're just kind of like shooting in the dark, hmm. um, sort of. And and then when they hit, they have another like charge cap on the front of them. They explode. You know, some of these things, you know, like are 30, 40, 50 pounds of, you know, some kind of explosive in them. Hmm. Uh, Silver Dave could explain it a lot better. Silver Dave said that uh, these things would um, all the time, they were like, you know, thousands of dollars per round. Um, the uh, the device, the, like the rocket launcher thing that, you know, that they drop them in, they call them uh, mortar rounds mm-hmm. uh, also, but more or mortar shells. So the the, the uh, Ukrainians are just shelling this region of Russia. They're going in there and they're well, harassing people. It's what like it's well, technically Ukraine, right? But these people com- uh, wanted to, they voted to be part of Russia. Yep. They speak Russian and they consider themselves Russian, yep. and that's for some reason why the government in Kiev has been bombing, shelling them. Right. Right, wow. and so they've been doing this. So, so like Russia, the whole idea that that Russia unprovokedly attacked Ukraine is a hundred percent 
uh, BS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just, you know, it's just media narrative, uh, you know, this, you know, that, that, that's happening. And, um, so the, so yeah, so for, you know, since 2014, uh, Ukraine's been, you know, basically bombing these people. And finally they're like, we want to be part of Russia. We want to be part of Russia. And Russia kind of like came to their help. And then of course the United States, uh, and all the Western nations have just piled right into like launder money like crazy and, and yeah, they also it. needed to get a whole bunch of munitions munitions and weapons and arms and tanks and humvees and four by four trucks and you know um you know, stuff to future uh enemies so like the pal you know so so i'm sure the palestinians are getting a bunch of their stuff kind of slip through this and you know i'm sure i you know other countries have gotten you know these munitions that have you know been sent to um uh ukraine tim you had more for us what was on your mind tim uh, yeah, so yesterday I called about this Auschwitz survivor who had made a comment on the behavior of the state of Israel, and uh, I didn't know his name, and I think someone there tried to look it up. Maybe Nick, Nikki tried to look it up. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is actually changed. Originally, he was born Hans Joachim Gustav Meyer, born uh, August 12, 1924. At some point, he changed his name, and I do not know how to pronounce what he changed his name to because it's spelled H. A J O. If it was a Spanish name, I you know I'd say Hey Ho, Mayor. Yeah. Uh, but so the quote that I actually found the quote, and he actually passed away in 2014. Uh, this was a quote from 2010. He wrote an article in the Huffington Post, uh, May 25th, 2010, called "An Ethical Tradition Betrayed," and he writes, "I cannot help but hear echoes of the Nazi mythos of blood and soil." and the rhetoric of settler fundamentalism, which claims a sacred right to all the lands of biblical Judea and Samaria, the various forms of collective punishment visited upon the Palestinian people, hmm. coerced ghettoization behind a security wall, the bulldozing of homes and destruction of fields, the bombing of schools, mosques, and government buildings, an economic blockade that deprives people of water, food, medicine, education, and the basic necessities for dignified survival forced me to recall the deprivations and humiliations that I experienced in my youth. And he actually was born in Germany, uh, but then he was sent by his parents to um, the Netherlands. And he wrote a book in Dutch called, I don't, I can't pronounce it in Dutch. I could try, but there's an English translation on Amazon Prime. It's called The End of Judaism. Interesting. Well, that's like really interesting. Um, Maybe it's not about today's, conflict exactly but he was saying back in 2010 that israel is acting to the people who live in gaza just like germany was acting to the jews back when he was a kid he certainly was underestimating uh what you know well he was describing what they were doing at the time and he like was calling for that stuff to stop but what's happening now is just atrocious israel i mean i i don't think we can really even uh, express how horrible it is right there over there right now. Israel is just completely demolishing Gaza. Like I'm talking, every single standing building is being destroyed. It is yeah, disgusting. they're going to get rid of 100. Um, percent Oh yeah, yeah, that is they absolutely rid of 100. percent That's crazy, and it's just like how do, do, does 1,000 people dying justify a complete genocide of 100% of people live in Gaza. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and actually about the 1,400 number, there's an article in the Gray Zone, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Anybody can go there and look, but there's an article in uh, the Gray Zone.com. Um, 
where I don't know if I have it up right now, but it's basically about how after the initial attack, um, you know, people in the concert were armed because there were Israeli settlers there, and we know what some of them do, and they had guns. And you had IDF members there with guns. And, of course, they responded. You know, they got it. They, they went there to kidnap Hamas. Um, their directive was not to kill anyone, even though they did. They did kill people, but uh, their directive was to capture. But, of course, you know, when you go to kidnap people that are armed, they're going to fight back. And then you're armed, and there's a firefight. And then they sent in, I guess, fighter jets and just started bombing, according to what's called the Hannibal Directive. But look that one up. The, the Hannibal, Hannibal Directive. Means, Hannibal? Yeah. Yep. Uh, if a hostage is taken, you, you kill the, the, the captor and the hostage. Do you eat you them, too? The hostage <laughs> I, I, that, no. Does Hannibal? But, um, okay. <laughs> so I think a good number... It, this is my opinion. I, I can't prove it, but based on testimony from people that were there, uh, testimony from people in the IDF, which is in that article on the gray zone, uh, that th- a lot of these Israeli houses uh, were actually, they, they were bombed by Israeli forces hmm. in order to kill the Hamas militants, but that was the prime objective. They, uh, so there was a lot of collateral damage because they were bombing, you know, essentially this Shabbat in Israel, where that had been because there that, was a that's if it's an accident, but it's not an accident. You can't call it collateral damage if it's if it's done on purpose. I, I guess it's true. Yeah, but that's what they'll call it. You know, uh, that's really interesting. You brought that up. So right here at the top of freedomsphoenix.com, the headline is: They knew, participated. Photographers working for AP, CNN, New York Times, routers were embedded. Uh, photographers were working for the APA, CNN, New York Times, and routers were embedded with Hamas on October 7th and accompanied the terrorist group into Israel. They knew the attack was coming and participated in accordance with an exclusive report at Honest Reporting. And this is a news article from um, the Geller Report, but it's right at freedomsphoenix.com. It's like in a top couple. And uh, that makes sense because even like <clears throat> when they were trying to say that Assad in Syria was gassing his own people, they had like news crews and crisis actors all set up there. And there was like, you know, pictures and some videos of like these all these bodies on the ground. And then you see uh, there was a feed that somebody had of this where it was like, all right, everybody you can get back up now. And we're going to, wow. you know, yeah, but, and people yeah, just Jay, started getting up. Jay, have you seen the pictures, though? They're like Pulitzer Prize award-winning There's probably, photos. probably green screens involved and studios. And, I'm being you know, sarcastic. There really was in Syria, and that was so crazy. We have Rob from Vermont. Rob, what's on your mind? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to share a story about uh, when I went into the system. This was like over 20 years ago. You know, after being in there for about a year, the state created a law where, you know, if you have children that are out there, that uh, child support would be building up while you're behind the, you know, the prison walls. And, and you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, you could petition the courts and then get that to stop, which is, you know, what I did took me a couple of, of years, but I couldn't get out of not paying what had occurred. So by the time I got out, uh, I was, you know, in the hole, eight, $9,000 after I maxed 
out of the prison. And when I got out, you know, I the only thing I knew what to do was to go back to work and get a place to live and find a job, which is what I did. And I, you know, paid my child support, and then I also paid an extra $15 a week so I could get caught up with the, you know, back child support. Well, fast forward four years after all of this, I learned that the child support money that I was paying in was not going to nope. my children. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, I didn't know this. And boy, if I got behind on child support, or if I missed a payment, uh, I mean, they were right there on you. Where was the money so, going? Did you ever figure that out? It was. They said that it was going into an account that does not uh, draw any interest. Is what I was told. Um, and when I, but who was able to access that money? That I well, I don't know. That's the that's the thing because well, you know when I learned about that the money was not going to where it was supposed to have been going, I contacted the, you know the the uh, child support office, and they said, oh, I don't know, we don't know nothing about it. Just keep paying. Well, yeah, this is you not know, unheard of. This this is not unusual. I've heard this happen. To a lot of people. And so what I did was I contacted the attorney general's office and I told them, you know, I says, I want some answers. Okay. I want to know where that money's going. I says, if not, come the next day, I'm going right to the press. And before the end of the day, somebody had contacted me and they, you know, learned that the money wasn't going out. And I said, I want a complete audit of what I've paid in, you know, and I got the audit, but I says, well, uh, how much interest did this occur uh, on all this money? And they said, well, it was in an account that uh, didn't, doesn't have interest paid into it. It just didn't make any sense to me. That's weird, but, but also I'm just confused about like, so once you got the audit, it didn't explain to you, like, who the money was going to. It's just sitting in an account, untouchable. No one gets to use it. Or was it going to the pension of the DCYF people? It wasn't going to the kids it was supposed to go to. So it wasn't going, your, your ex wasn't getting it. Like, you know, yeah. generally that's what I think would happen. You know, whoever has custody of the kids is, you know, getting this payment. Right. Exactly. And, and. I was not on talking terms with my ex-wife at that time after I had got out of the system. But when I had learned that uh, she wasn't getting the money, I mean, I was just beside myself. I went homeless trying to straighten this out because I told him, I said, no, underneath no certain terms was I going to go back to work until you straighten this out. Hmm. You know, and like I said, I ended up in the shelter because... You know, because I just wasn't going to give him any more money. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So, I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, 
Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. We have a story here from coindesk.com that um, I've had for a while now, but I wanted to get into it. That says the U.S. Treasury seeks to name crypto mixers as money laundering concern. So it says, under pressure to address reports that Hamas and other terrorist groups are partially funded with crypto, Treasury's FinCEN proposed a rule to categorize mixers as a threat. So do you guys know what crypto mixers are? I do. Is that where you take crypto and you run it through this mixer and -hmm. it gives you back the crypto, the same amount, except you've rehashed it like the code or like the reference is yep, different so it, it's it makes it not traceable so let, let's say that we each have um you know uh 21 dollar bills and yep. we take them all and we throw them in the middle of the table and mix them all up and then we each take 21 dollar bills back right that's what it's doing yep yep um so i think that this is pretty bad that fincen and the treasury want to do this or the u.s treasury's fincen i guess they belong to them um want to do this they're proposing this rule because it's just stupid anytime someone wants privacy it doesn't mean that they are a terrorist well they're freaking out because the um the velocity of money has really dropped so what's happening is people are borrowing money you know outside the fiat federal reserve system and one of the ways to borrow money is uh crypto so there's all of these like platforms where you can put your crypto like a pancake swap is one of them i had a friend used to talk about that but you know so with eight percent interest rates essentially or the interest rates going up uh the uh the people who have crypto to put into these swapping type platforms they can do it anonymously you can do it like, like, like turn your bitcoin for example into like something else like monero or you know some other privacy coin put it on these exchanges and then you get paid a, a pretty like hefty uh, APY uh, annual percentage uh, rate or whatever. However, something yeah, and and it's and a lot of people are able to do that. In fact, I know of several people who have um, put up their cryptocurrency to like uh, buy houses, mm-hmm. and then they pay it off and they get their crypto back. You know, and, and cars and you know all kinds of other things instead of going through like a, a bank. regular bank. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is the the uh, the velocity of money, the way I understand it, and I'm no financial expert, but what I understand is that's the money sort of injected into the economy and some of the money, the money created and where that mostly comes from is loans. So when you get a loan, say for uh, a half a million dollars for a house, uh, basically you know, at one time it was like, you know, they had to have uh, something like, you know, ten percent of that money on deposit, or twenty mm-hmm. percent of that money, nope. and then they would cre- now basically don't, the banks don't, don't need to have any of this money on deposit. They can just create the money out of thin air. Well, with the interest rates being high, because uh, you know, essentially the U.S. Treasury has to make the interest, you know, they got to put the interest rates up so other countries will buy these treasury bonds, mm-hmm. and nobody wants the treasury bonds really. I mean, the, anybody who's paying attention understands that. The American empire is so ready to collapse. You know, you so they at, don't even give you that much when you go to cash in your treasury right, bonds right. Who, compared to something Who else. wants to give the federal government, you know, their money for, you know, 20, 30, 10 years. Sign when, me up. When, when they can give um, a, you know, some kind of um, exchange on the internet uh, money for six months, 
four years, five years, a year. Uh, and, and it's risky. I, I actually have a friend who three years ago, he was like, oh, dude, you got to take this crypto, take your cryptocurrency and, you know, you got you got this money in crypto and you should put it in this thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I, I don't want to have to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm just lazy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I got better things to do than like fool around with, you know, trading flipping stuff crypto. Like that. Tra- I'm not right. into any of that. Um, and, uh, so like, I don't know, a year later, I'm like, Hey, that, that thing you, that pancake swap thing you were telling me, it was something called, I think that's what it was called. He's like, huh? Like, where are you at with that? You know, cause, cause he's like, Oh, I'm putting like $5,000 in or something like, you know, or I can't remember the number he says. He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, um, I, I, uh, I missed pulling it out when it was at its highest and like he's, and, and, but when he, he pulled it out on the way back down and he made like a couple hundred bucks, he didn't lose it. But he says if I had held it for a few more days, but this is a guy like, you know, every hour he's like looking at his phone at like what these yeah. things are doing and he's all talking about it. And it's just, just, just takes a lot of attention. Like you right. got to pay attention to it. And, and he did lose some crypto in some of these you know, financial schemes. And I know other people who have lost a lot. And, and I know some people who have made some like, like wicked money, hmm. um, in these things. So, but, but, but what I can tell it with a, with a velocity, money velocity slowing down is it's because what creates money into existence is people getting loans. Pivoting back to this story about, um, the U S treasury seeking to name crypto mixers as a money laundering concern. I want to know exactly what that means. Like, or is it just a thing they're going to say, or does it do anything to maybe criminalize these owners of these mixers, which has already been happening. Like people have gone to jail. Like, yeah. The U S treasury should it. look into money laundering going on with, uh, is with, uh, Ukraine oh, they don't care and about now that. Israel and you know, the, um, uh, the DEA, because you know they're pushing all the drugs into the country and into the cities, and, and, all, and all the banks that are laundering for the for the uh, Mexican cartels and the Chinese cartels and the New Hampshire drug cartel. That's just making <laughs> you know. That's just making the government get more money. They want to stop anything that could make you be independent of them. Like that's right. It's it's all about power, not so much about the wealth. It's I think it's just about power. They I think want that's they, the main thing. I always think the same thing. They keep money from. You know, the people that are fighting for freedom or people, the average person is the one fighting for freedom. What's going to prevent, what's prevent him or them from expanding? Taxes, know? regulations. Taxes. And Let's bog also, them like, down. the average yeah. person doesn't have that much, like, ambition. Like, they just want to get by. They want to make enough money to do their little things that they like, like go to Starbucks, go to, you know, they think they're rich because they shop at Whole Foods. And, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, but they don't care about who gets hurt when they're using their blood money or anything like that. And the, you know, I know what you mean. The United States government doesn't care that you are like upper middle class. They're not, I, I'm always saying the same thing. That is more about power, but money does give you power. So if you're like really ambitious and you want to make a lot of money, you create this cryptocurrency mixer online, they're going to go after you. Yeah. Um, it says the U S department of treasuries, financial crimes arm so FinCEN is proposing to label crypto mixers as a primary money laundering concern in its effort to combat illicit crypto finance, highlighting the terrorist groups that have benefited from anonymous crypto funds, including possibly Hamas. The Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, 
issued a notice of proposed rulemaking on Thursday, which they're not elected or anything like that, and they're making rules, and you could still get in trouble in court for breaking these rules, and that's ridiculous. It says on Thursday, which will be open to public comment for 90 days, not that they actually care what you say. Quote, today's action underscores Treasury's commitment to combating the exploitation of convertible virtual currency mixing by a broad range of illicit actors, including state-affiliated cyber actors, cyber criminals, and terrorist groups, unquote, said Deputy Secretary of the Treasury Wally Ademo. That's interesting. Ademo. That's the last name. In a statement that cited... The agency's past actions against Tornado Cash and Blender.io. Those are the ones I was thinking of. Those are some mixers that people actually went to prison for creating. Yeah, I heard that Tornado uh, was used by North Korea. So they were saying that if you ever if you ever use Tornado on your uh, your crypto wallet, and then you try to go onto an exchange with that crypto, they were denying you access because somehow it was traceable. Took North Korean money. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of people had that problem about that is scary. trying to access their crypto or, you know, exchanging it. One thing the government really dislikes about Bitcoin specifically um, is that it is totally 100% traceable. And I say they dislike that because who's the guy, um, Overstock.com, uh, Patrick... Um, Patrick Byrne. Mm -hmm. So he's been working on this thing like that would, you know, basically be like a blockchain technology for all securities and exchange uh, transactions and trading. So it was totally transparent. Mm -hmm. Uh, But can you imagine if all of like the municipal corporations, so all the cities, towns, states, federal, all these municipal corporations had to use a blockchain technology to do all their transactions and everything, you know, so it would be really easy to figure out how much of your land taxes, you know, go to pay the pension benefits. Your for example, Bitcoin True. that you yeah. paid it with. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be Bitcoin, but let's say yeah. it was a blockchain technology. And also like voting should be a blockchain, a decentralized, you know, f- uh, sort of federated, you know, blockchain technology. They, also, if it was going to be actual real digital voting, they don't even want it to be a free and open source software at all. They want right, you to right, be right. voting with something that you can't get into and figure out. Yeah, what happened to your vote? They're like just opposites. Like they don't want this to be traced and they want this to be traced. Right. Mm-hmm. They want anything that involves you spending money to be traced, but not their own cities. And I think it's also funny that um, cities, sometimes they'll, they'll get hit by um, stupid scams. I'm not like really making fun of anybody for getting hit by a scam. It's like it sucks if you get hit by a scam. But then... Um, they they will go buy crypto just to pay off their scam and send a bunch of people's tax dollars to some scammer. So I have often thought about, so Ian was telling me a, a couple years ago about some local town, um, I, one of these little towns, yeah. they had gotten their data or something or something, they had hacked them. Right. And they were holding some something hostage, like a computer or something. And they wanted like X amount of Bitcoin and I don't know if they called Ian to to buy some Bitcoin. And Ian's like, what do you want it for? And they were like, oh, we're getting, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm, but I remember Ian was saying something to the fact, like, are you really, is this like stuff even worth this much money first off? Like whatever they were holding hostage. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they just declined to even in, have anything to do with the hacker. But well, let's say you work for a government or a major corporation 
you could be literally right there behind a computer or from your from your device, you know, the hacker that made its way in because you sort of have access and demanded and demand some kind of payment in cryptocurrency. I think a lot of these like hacks where they demand money is total inside job first off whatever it's likely yeah i think it's very likely in in every cyber attack it's like there's just no way to know who's actually behind it there's like i think you brought this up before there's not going to be like um there's no way to get an image of the guy sitting on his computer right who's doing this and that's how i feel about all of the victims in ian's case quote-unquote victims because they're not ian's victims but they're scam victims. How are we going through with Ian giving them any kind of quote unquote restitution when we have no idea where they sent this money to? For all we know, they control the cryptocurrencies that they sent the money to. They control the cryptocurrency wallets that they sent the money to. There was never oh, any part yeah, of. Yeah, I, I believe. I, I I believe the feds are the ones set, uh, setting this all up. Right. And and look, these these ransom attacks with uh, crypto ransom attacks. Uh, there's no doubt. A lot of this has been uh, uh, perpetrated by the government, and I feel like they're just like, "Hey, we need to randomly attack someone," and like this is how they do it. Like, let's just you know hit them with the a crypt. Remind the people why they need us. That's what they're constantly doing. Yeah, but like, oh, this guy is becoming profitable right now. Let's cyber attack his company and get him to buy some crypto and send it to us. I it just makes sense why they would do this, and like, I don't know, I. And even when it's their their own systems, like a lot of times there's these cyber attacks on like government quote unquote internet infrastructure, and you're supposed to be scared. It's justifying them spend more money. Yeah, it's just if for all we know they send money to the ransom holder who's actually the government holding this cryptocurrency wallet that they send it to, and then the pack, taxpayers pay them back for it, and then they have double the amount of money. Yeah, they just yeah. Go ahead. The, the cyber attack stuff is the perfect like plausible deniability yep. situation. And and so if you look at like large corporations that have thousands of employees mm-hmm. and if you look at like government all these government agencies have massive amounts of employees. Um I think uh, the federal government is uh one of the um largest like uh em- you know single employers in you know in the nation and it should be the smallest. But uh it shouldn't even exist as far as I'm concerned. And then all the contractors that work in it. But so if we know that three to five percent of the population are actual sociopaths and or psychopaths, um, that's sort of some numbers that have been spit out there. Hmm. So if you have a company that has, you know, a thousand people in it, you can, you know, bet that 30 to 50 of them uh, are quite likely going to be these sociopath types uh, or psychopath types. Uh, Or you have uh, a government agency that has a thousand people in it. And we know that people who lust for power you know prefer government jobs because they come with the you know the the qualified immunity and all this stuff uh but there is just it, all of it, it so it's, it is quite likely that somebody in the companies or that works in these governments can like kind of understand how things work and would, would even know where to like all right we know that this data is worth a million dollars or 20 million dollars so they would be happy to give us $5 million to get it back, for example, or even a million dollars, or even $500,000 in some form of cryptocurrency. What needs to happen is people need to ask for the evidence that subjects me to the jurisdiction of the United States. Just quite simply. I mean, did Ian's lawyer ever once request no. the evidence uh, that they rely on that the United States Corporation, this this entity calling itself United States, um, 
you know, is I mean, they did a put holder, a flag on the moon. It, you know, is a holder mm-hmm. in due course of some kind of <laughs> instrument that Ian, you know, agreed to. Yeah, this is why. And lawyers won't ask that question because they'll get disbarred. They yeah. will not challenge. You know, the lawyers cannot protect you. They cannot protect your rights. They can only represent you and help feed you to the furnace of the state. Yep. <clears throat> And um, going on, it says the Treasury Department and the wider administration of President Joe Biden have been under pressure from U.S. lawmakers to do something about the use of crypto to support terrorism, especially in light of reports that Hamas received some crypto donations in advance of its attack this month in Israel. And I'm pretty sure that's like 100 um, percent the one from Massachusetts. That's, uh, Elizabeth Warren, yeah. the, um, you know, the, the the millionth Indian, yeah. millionth <laughs> of an million. Indian. Uh, so like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's diabolically evil that Elizabeth Warren, uh, and when it says U S lawmakers are being pressured. So I bet you, if we took these U S lawmakers and saw who their, um, you know, uh, lobbyists are that give them money, it's going to be banks. So it's finance. So whoever this, these U S lawmakers are, you know, guys like Lindsey Graham and Pelosi, you know, the scumbags, you know, the evil people who are funded by Wall Street and the financial institution and essentially the Federal Reserve, you know, controls all these, you know, Wall Street and financial in- institutions. Uh, you know, they, they just, yeah, the, the lawmakers, it's the lobbyists who control the lawmakers, n- not the actual people. Yep. In New Hampshire, I think that the lawmakers, some of them are controlled by the people, but uh, not most of them. It says, FinCEN director Andrea Gacki noted that this is her agency's first ever use of its power to target so-called primary money laundering concerns on a whole class of transactions. If the designation is made, the Treasury Department can impose restrictions on U.S. financial firms' dealings with the mixers, which range from requiring additional due diligence and special attention concerning particular account transactions among U.S. financial institutions to prohibiting the opening or maintenance of any correspondent or payable through accounts. I'm not sure what all that means. After the comment uh, period, the agency will have to review that input before it can advance a final rule. I'm pretty sure they don't care at all what the public says. They they have to review it. Oh, okay. That doesn't mean that they have to like s- prove that they actually were listening and use the input or anything like that. Earlier this week, the Treasury also announced sanctions against individuals and entities tied to Hamas, including a Gaza-based business accused of being a Bitcoin conduit for terrorists. And that's pretty scary. And that's all we have here. It's actually funny. Oh, wow. I, I scroll down and um, another article it says, read, read more. Another article from Coindesk, it says, U.S. Senator Warren leads lawmakers to push administration on crypto-backed terrorism. So I was 100 She doesn't even right. understand the terminology. So I was listening to her and... I just uh, I don't remember exactly right now what it was, but she was saying the wrong words hmm. to she's, describe crypto. She's basically a, a Manchurian candidate, like most of these guys are. She's being programmed. She's being told what to do. You know, like um, she. You know, she, I mean, if she was a dude, I would say she's probably got some videos of her doing unspeakable things with children. Um, you don't know what uh, but, part she has, but right. But I. I but you know, just. <laughs> You know who in their right mind, you know, supports the policies and the ideology like the, of Elizabeth Warren. You know, and like another guy, I heard a clip from um, Eminem, for example, 
um, Eminem's like, oh, yeah, Joe Biden's awesome, all this. And this was, like, recent. I'm like, really? You're yeah. going to, like, say, like, a pedophile's good and you support him and stuff? So, you know, and what just, c- like, what actually Did Eminem go done? to Epstein's Island? Probably. Is there a video of him doing some stuff? Because that is there has to be some really dark dirt on you that they have and they're willing, if you're going to actually support someone, like, you know, support these kind of things. I believe this is Tony in Oklahoma. Is that who we're talking to yes what's on your mind tonight uh jay i think it was jay and you guys were talking about a lawyer that won like 13 cases but he didn't pass the bar one night Hmm. and i was wondering if jay okay sorry somebody was and i didn't know you were talking about lawyers there jay and i was wondering if you heard that they are trying to pass something to where you do not have to go through the bar exam now. You have to be like a mentor. You get a mentor, and then I get so many hours in, and then you become a lawyer. I didn't know if you heard anything about that either. I, I'm a well, truck driver, so it's hard for me to read everything and hear everything. Sure. Well, and, and thank you for your service as a truck driver. Um, I put on a lot of miles in my day hauling horses and hay and cattle, and uh, definitely um, – you are way more valuable than any lawyer or politician. You're actually more valuable than all of them put together, as far as I'm concerned, because uh, you provide a service that we all need. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so I can tell you that my father uh, fa- uh, re- uh, represented himself, defended himself, really, not represented himself, uh, in federal court back in um, the late 80s. He was facing 15 years in prison uh, uh, for a uh, uh, assisting a felony, uh, aiding and abetting a felony flea prosecution Hmm. my grandmother actually had the same charges brought against her she was convicted she had an attorney Hmm. my dad uh and a couple of his legal beagle friends as he referred to him call uh wrote my grandmother's appeal and you know 30 days later she was out Hmm. uh of jail and this is where we and the thing is my father was interviewing attorneys and lawyers and these guys so the thing is, when you go to interview an attorney and talk to them, they want you to sign some document saying that you're not going to basically go talk to any other lawyer and you're not going to get a second opinion. You know, this is like going wow. to a doctor. Like, if you ever interviewed an attorney, they're like, yeah, well, we're not going to talk to you about this unless you sign this, you know, some kind of crap. Because I talked to a few attorneys about I, – I was just wanting to hire uh, someone who was an a, a, a attorney or a lawyer as legal counsel, not as a representative, not mm. as a representer. And none of them were interested in doing that. I'm like, well, wow. you make 300 bucks an hour. I can't hire you. And, you know, for say, let's I'm like, I'll hire you for a whole day. You want to do an eight hour day or you want to do a six hour day? I'll pay you 300 bucks an hour. Help me go over some paperwork with me. Kind of you know, give me some ideas of what I got to do. Tell me where I'm wrong. You know, uh, just, you know, and they're just totally not interested. They're a bit like, nope, it's like 10 grand. It's 15 grand. Um, and the lawyers can just do that they can just because they have all the work they want because they all create controversies and they provide work for each other. So when my father cool. presented his his case and he wrote the appeal for my grandmother and he won his case in court, he was actually admitted like into the New Hampshire, uh, I'm sorry, the Massachusetts Bar Association, um, like not like as a bar member, but as someone who was sort of like allowed to like you know, do these kind of like lawyer things, not as a lawyer Wow. Uh, over um, yeah, basically, assisted counsel. Uh, well, so we all have a right to assist to counsel to assistance of counsel at our election. Mm-hmm. The the Bill of Rights does not say anything about lawyers or attorneys. 
and 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 uh, lawyers and attorneys existed, but the people who wrote those documents were very fed up with the actions of lawyers and attorneys. Lawyers and attorneys are basically the ones that are responsible for most of the problems that we have. Uh, like, for example, one of the things that is happening with the New Hampshire legislature is New Hampshire is a state where there can be no 50-50 custody in, of, chi- of children in, in, in separations or divorces. One party has to have, like, custody and the other one and pays child support. And the reason that for 25 years now, I was at a New Hampshire Liberty Alliance uh, summit uh, a few months ago, and they were talking about this. For 25 years, they've been trying to get this 50-50 custody. So a lot of parents are like, okay, hey, we're agreeing to not be together anymore, and we'll just split the kids 50-50. And New Hampshire's like, no, you can't That's do that. Crazy. Family court. That. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. so this is also a re- another reason not to get a marriage license, not to get the state involved in your in, 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 in your uh, affairs. But there are women who, I, I, I know a couple that got married at Porkfest, right? And they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to get a marriage license. We're not going to do this. In fact, Daryl Perry married them at Porkfest. It was like mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And they got, and as they were going, getting a divorce and getting separated, you know, the wife starts, you know, trying to run this stuff all into probate court and get the state involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways... Um, and trying to use the state as leverage. Now, that never really happened. Uh, you know, the husband kind of gave in and just, you know, c- complied with all the demands of the wife. And I was like, dude, you don't have to do that crap, um, you know, because there's no contract. You're, you're, you're not, you know, there, there wasn't no contract getting the government involved, and she can't get the government involved. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, Listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.